0: Father, there is no doubt in my mind that if our favorite athlete or hero or president came in and began to speak, that we would be attentive, Lord. But what about you and your word? Can we get past our tiredness and actually hear your word? Father, you are able to do that. So let it be so, Lord. Let it be so. In Jesus' name, all God's people said. Amen. Um, I do really want to sort of fly through some things, but I don't want to miss the content. Um, First of all, I just want to say, oh, nice, the lights are on. Uh, um, First of all, I just want to say again, I know I said that this morning, but thank you for again allowing me and my family to be here with you guys. Man, it has been so cool, and um, I am encouraged and excited to apply some of the things that I've been learning uh, this last day and even preaching about. To be honest, here's a confession. Sugar and I were talking uh, when we went to our cabin, and we were talking about some of the things that we've been wrestling with in prayer and and getting back to some things. And we ourselves were like, man, you know, um, it's been four months since we've had a really good rhythm, even with our own family. And this has just encouraged us and to get back into that rhythm that we were in of praying and and praising God together. And um, so this has made that very possible. So I want to thank you guys again for that. Um, Quick recap. Uh, We said that the first thing when we pray, uh, one of the best ways to do it is to be scripture-led, worship-based prayer. And that it involves a lot of things. The Bible. Uh, which is our guide, uh, focus on God's glory, uh, praising God and singing to God and music and all those things. We want to add those things to prayer and uh, sort of be multifaceted in that way. And that type of praying fuels every other prayer. So I I just want you guys to, to leave here and and begin to try what we did this morning. Just really get, uh, if if it's with your family or if it's by yourself or whatever it is, just get by yourself or, or with your family and just start singing out to the Lord. Start reading Psalms unto the Lord. Start praising Him and declaring His goodness. And watch God do something. You know, the Bible says that He inhabits the praises of His people. Like there's something that happens when we begin to praise God. And this morning, there was something that was, I don't know if it was, it was just me, but like in this place, man, I just felt like, man, we could have went forever praising the Lord. We could have kept on going. but And so that's what it does. It energizes us, and, and God gets the glory. And when God gets the glory, we get our greatest joy. So I would encourage you just to please try first scripture-led, worship-based prayer. Um, As you lead into prayer, the second thing we're going to talk about today, and this one can be a tough one, is this idea of confession. Now, for some of us, when we hear that word confession, it's not a pretty word for us like we 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 have sort of this mindset of what confession is. It's almost like we're we're saying to God sort of timidly, like god, I, I've done this and I've done that and And we sort of look at confession as this con- discouraging time where we're sort of just afraid to go to God. when in all actuality, confession is something that can fuel our spirituality. when we repent and when we come to God with our sin. It actually fuels something in us. And so we must learn to practice confession because first and foremost, it's God tells us to. So we got to understand that, that confession is a commandment. So as we think about prayer, we first start out with worshiping God and and scripture based prayer. And then from that, one thing that we could go into is this idea of confession. And the reason why is because God tells us to in the Lord's prayer. Is there a confession in the Lord's Prayer? Yes, forgive us for our sins and as we forgive those who sin against us. So there's one. And then also 1 John 1. This is a famous passage. But I want to read that because it's the basis by which we should be um, basing our confession. And he says this in 1 John 1 verses 8 through 10. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse 10, if we say we have not sinned, then we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So when you put this passage together and you begin to look at it in its context, it's not just that, that um, we come to God and, and uh, we can confess if we want to. He actually tells us that we must confess our sins, and if we do it, He is faithful to do something. What is He faithful to do? He is faithful and just to what? Forgive. And then there's a second thing that He does: and cleanse us of our or sanctify us. There is something that comes when we begin to confess our sins that that God begins to change us and cleanse us and sanctify us. So confession is one of those things that I know it's hard for us sometimes. And it seems like it's weighs us down like we're trying to appease God. But actually there is cleansing and sanctifying and Holy Spirit work that happens when we do that. And actually confession and repentance is the mark of a true believer. Do you know that Martin Luther said that the entire life of a believer is repentance? Like, get used to this idea that you and I are messed up. How many of y'all are jacked up, right? Raise Everybody raise your hand. Seriously. We are all messed up. We all have some inner workings within us that are raging against God and raging against the Holy Spirit, raging against the kingdom of God. We have this in us. Galatians 5 says that there are two members in our body and they are at war with each other, the flesh and the spirit, and they are going against each other. So if the Bible is true, that I can look at you right now and honestly say this. Right now, there is a war going on inside of you. And some days we walk in the victory of the Holy Spirit and we walk in as sons and daughters of God. But if we're honest, there are many times where we are not walking in that. So the flesh is winning. So what do we do when the flesh wins? We confess that to the Lord and the Lord forgives us for those things and cleanses us. You see, we always get that First John 1, 9. We often say, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us. All of us know that. But do you know that second half is very important to confession? That God does something in our soul and stirs something there that makes us more like Him. He cleanses us in that way. So confession is a commandment, first and foremost, that we must do. But let me just say this, if we have a wrong view of confession and repentance, then this idea of praying and confessing will be awful to us. If we have the wrong idea of what confession is, it'll be a grueling. Sort of part of what we do when we pray something that we actually don't look forward to but I believe that scripture tells us that if we are to do this that it can actually be a time of rejoicing and here's how we do this now I'm only going to spend a few minutes on this and then we're going to we're going to go into song how do we get to a place where after we have praised the Lord. After we have used Scripture as our guide and did worship-based prayer that was all about the glory of God, how do we then transition into this idea of confession? I think the Bible tells us how to do this. I think that we must first sort of preach the gospel to ourselves and know the gospel because that is what is going to help us be honest and real and confident with God. All right? Now, let me say that again. How do we get to a place where confession is a joyful thing, where it's something that brings us life and sustains us and cleanses us and energizes us spiritually? I think we first must remember the gospel and, and confess in light of the gospel. Because, listen, if the, this, the gospel that's going to keep us from this dry, empty, fear-based confession. 2 Corinthians 7.10 says this, That there is such thing as dry, sort of ungodly confession and repentance to God. And I'm guilty of this. But here's what it says. I don't know if you guys know what this verse is in here. But here's what it says. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Whereas worldly grief produces death. So there is this idea that we can come to God, sort of sheepishly, and say, God, I'm sorry for looking at that woman lustfully that is not my wife. God, I'm sorry for getting angry and going off on my kids today. God, I am sorry for being impatient with my spouse today. We can actually go to God in that way. And God knows our heart, and that's sort of a worldly grief because we don't have this view of God and the gospel that allows us to come to God in all of our mess and actually be real with Him and actually seek change and transformation in our life. I remember for the longest time, I would pray like this. Um, When I first became a believer, I felt like I had to go to God and name every sin. Like if I miss the sin, then I'm in trouble, like it's not forgiven. And so I would sit there and meticulously be like, God, um, um, I pray that you would forgive me for this. And and, oh, yeah, and this over here. And, And oh, actually, yeah, this too. And like I had to sort of know every sin that I was committing. And like when I would do that, that was an awful time for me. I hated doing that because you know why? It seems like sin kept piling on the more that I would do it. Like there, oh, that sin too. And oh, that sin yesterday, and oh, that sin just now. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it would just sort of pile up on me. And it wasn't really this godly grief. I was just going through a checklist of confession and saying, God, here, I've done this, I've done this, and I've gotten this. There was no life giving to that. But there is a confession that it says in uh, verse 10, a godly grief that produces repentance that leads to salvation, to salvation without regret. We must run to the gospel as we confess and confession will become a sweet time of transformation in our hearts and in our life. Now, let me, um, let me just share the gospel with you. Can I do that? And then we're about to close. So if the gospel is the key to having good confession that leads to repentance and cleansing and transformation, then we must know the gospel. Now, for some of you, you say, man, I know the gospel. Amen. Well, let me say this to you. You still need the gospel. There is no sort of I've gotten over the gospel. You need the gospel. Matter of fact, every time I come and preach at CLC, I preach the gospel. And every time Andrew and Pastor Calvin, all those guys preach, they want to preach the gospel. Why? Because we need the gospel, even as Christians. And if we're going to talk about what it means to be a praying people, we must know and understand the gospel. We must run to the gospel in this way. So let me share the gospel with you in a passage that will help us. You'll see how it'll tie in, bring forth confession in our prayer. Romans 3, 19 through 26. Romans three nineteen through 26. Here's what it says. Let me get here. Now we know, this is Paul, that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And do you know that that verse keeps going? We often say that we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Listen to it It keeps going. It's like just a comma there. And it says, and, and for all have fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift. the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he has passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be the be both just and the justifier of the one who has faith Now, I know that is a mouthful and you may be thinking, how are you going to get that done in 10 minutes? But again, we're talking about prayer. And if we're going to be those who confess, who obey God, who tells us to confess our sins, then we need to have a way to where confession doesn't draw us from God, but draws us to God. So let's do this by looking at the gospel and then we'll tie it together. First of all, it says this, all are guilty. This is just the gospel. Some of you know this like the back of your hand. And if that's the point, you know that you'll need it even more. So verses 19 through 21 says, all are guilty. No one is declared righteous before God. And that word righteous means perfect conformity to the law of God. So that means that he was saying, look, there is not one righteous person in all the earth. All of us are under the law and have broken the law. And that word law is used. It means the transcripts of God's nature and the rule of obedience that he requires of all human beings. So that's part of the gospel is that we are under the law and none of us are righteous. None of us are perfect. God requires absolute righteousness and we and of ourselves cannot contain it. That is the divine problem of all scripture. That a holy and righteous God must, must require absolute righteousness from his creation. And we cannot do that in and of ourselves. That's what it says. Verse 21 it says that none are righteous, but there is a righteousness from God. Verse 21, but now there's a righteousness of God has been manifested, apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. Listen to this, because we cannot attain a sufficient righteousness on our own, God has provided it for us. So think about this. None of us are righteous and God requires absolute righteousness. That is a problem. But then he says that he has provided this righteousness for us. This righteousness from God is none other than the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ, who through his sinless life and his death and obedience to the father's will perfectly fulfilled the law of God. So that is what it's talking about there. So we are unrighteous, God is righteous, and he provides righteousness for us. One guy said it like this. It is important to realize that our Lord Jesus Christ perfectly fulfilled the law of God. This is Jerry Bridges, both in its requirement and in its penalty. He did what Adam failed to do. Render perfect obedience to the law of God. Therefore, when God justifies or declares us righteous, he does not create some sort of legal fiction, calling something righteous that is not, that is us. Rather, he declares us righteous on the basis of the real accomplished righteousness of Jesus Christ, which is imputed or credited to us through Faith. So I want you to think about this. And again, I'm going to tie this into confession. As we look at the gospel as a means to understand confession, we must first understand that we are all guilty and God requires absolute righteousness from every one of us, which we cannot do. So, what does God do? He solves the problem for us by providing righteousness for us, His own Son. And how is this righteousness attained? Verse 22. By faith. It says the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. So it's not by works, but by faith. And faith is renouncing all of our trust in our own merits and righteousness and relying totally on Jesus Christ's righteousness. So the gospel is not about what we have, can, or will do. It is about what Christ has done for us, right? So it's by faith. And who's this available to? Verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's the first part. But all who put their faith in Jesus are justified. Are justified by His grace as a gift. Now again, as we lead into confession, I want you to think of this in light of prayer. If God gives us righteousness, He credits it to our account. Because we were spiritually bankrupt, but he credits it to our account. He puts in our broke banks, his own righteousness. And then he says, through faith in this righteousness, you are now justified. Do you know what that word justified means, right? And Jerry Bridges does a beautiful thing. He says, look, justified is like this. Just if I'd never sinned. Think about that. When we put our hope in Christ and in His righteousness, it's just if I'd never sinned before God. So how many of you feel like that right now? Like you just feel like, man, I, I, I feel like I've never sinned before God. But that's actually biblical truth. Like if you have put your faith and trust in Jesus, when He looks at you, He looks at you if you've never sinned before. You are justified. You are declared righteous in the eyes of God. Now, this is going to help us pray. Trust me, I'm winding down here. Justified. So Jerry Bridges said, just if I'd never sinned. But he goes on to say, just if I'd always obeyed. See, that's the one that I struggle with. Like, wow, when God looks at me and all my junk and all my sin because of the righteousness of Christ that has been imputed to me or credited to my account. When he looks at me, is as if I've never sinned, but even more, I've always obeyed him. Christian, what does that do to you this morning? Or this evening. I know we're tired, but think about this. I know, look, I'm fumbling through this right with you. I get it. But listen, man, we have to understand when it comes to prayer, if we have this proper view of what has happened on our behalf, then confession and praise and prayer and all those things will become life giving and joyous to you. So think about this. When God looks at you, brother or sister, he sees a perfect daughter who has never sinned, and who has always obeyed His commands. You, daughter, are completely justified and declared righteous before God. So you don't think that we'll help you with confession? You think that that's not a big deal when it comes to confessing our wrong before the Lord? Man, it's almost like we'll run to do it now because we're like, wow, if we truly grasp this, then all of a sudden we're like, man, God, I messed up today. I was a horrible husband. I was impatient. I was doing all these things and these things were running through my mind. But man, I confess these things to you and I rejoice at the same time that those very sins that I just confessed are not held against me. And not only are they not, they will never be held against me. See, that changes prayer for me. And I know we're sleepy, but I want us to really grasp a hold of this, that this is how God sees you. When you come to him in all your weakness, when you come to him after you've had a really bad week. Right? How many of you have bad weeks before? Right? And you come to God sort of sheepishly, and you're like sort of, well, just sidestepping to God, sort of spiritually. And you're like, okay, God, um, wow. Uh, yeah, bad week, God. And you're almost like, just don't even know what to say. But when you know that even on your worst week... God still loves you the same and that all your sins that you have committed, the treason and rebellion that you have committed against Almighty God has been forgiven, then you run to that time of confession because you realize that even on your worst day, God has forgiven you. He has declared you righteous and it's not some superficial like Jerry Bridges said, where he says that he's sort of this fictional declaration. No, it's a real righteousness that has been given to you. So that when God looks at you, you truly are righteous. Not sort of figuratively righteous, but literally righteous. How many of you feel righteous right now? Raise your hand. You should raise your hand if you're a believer. This is what I'm trying to say. I know it's hard to grasp. I get it. And that's why we struggle with even confession. We're like, nah, I don't feel righteous. Actually, I've been falling asleep this whole time you've been preaching. How can I feel righteous? Righteous. But man, prayer, if it is engulfed with the gospel, if it is centered around the gospel, man, even confession becomes a time where we are liberated from our sin. And with gratitude, we run to God and we present ourselves to him in all of our junk. And we say, Dad, I have messed up. I have done this willingly against you. You know those sins that you do on purpose? How many of y'all ever done that? Like on purpose, like planned. Like, no one wants to admit this. I'll admit it. I plan sin sometimes. And I'm not boasting in my sin. Don't get me wrong. Really, I'm not. I I hope you don't hear me uh, boasting in my sin. But there are things that I do throughout the week where I purposely have fallen short of the glory of God. And it is in those things where I'm like, oh, God, I can't I can't come to you with this again. I can't come to you with this same sin I've been struggling with for five years or 15 years or these hidden sins that no one knows about but you. Right? We all know that feeling. But yet, if we understand the gospel that even in our worst sin, that because of the righteousness of Christ, that we are justified and declared righteous, we will run to God instead of running away from God. You see, we all have the issue that Adam had. Ever since Adam sinned, we've had his genes. And the first thing that he did was run. <laughs> he messed up and then what would he do? He took off and hid behind a bush that God created by speaking it into existence. <laughs> but he says, I'm going to hide behind a bush. And we say that's silly. But actually when we mess up, we have that same tendency to run away from God. But if we understand the gospel in light of prayer, it will enrich our prayer life where we will begin to run to God even on our worst day. And we will confess these sins to the Lord and we'll say, Lord, I am sorry. We are convicted of these things and I'm sorry that I sinned against you. We confess that. But I also rejoice because that very sin that I just mentioned was paid for by Christ on the cross. So it is in, with this in mind, I'm going to close here, that we confess. We confess and we come to God in light of the gospel. After we have prayed and, and praised Him and let Scripture be our guide, we also take a time, like it says in the Lord's Prayer, to ask for forgiveness. But this doesn't need to be a place of shame or guilt or doubt. But actually, this can be a place where we gladly run to our father and we say, God, please forgive us. And then we rejoice at the same time and say, we're forgiven and God keep us from that. So when we confess. We need to remember a few things that we are forgiven already. That Christ's righteousness has been credited to our account. That we are justified. That means that we, God looks at us justified, never sinned. And justified, always obey. And that has nothing to do with our righteousness, but only the righteousness of Christ. And then we, we quote Romans 8.1. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So we confess. And when we do this, we are reminded of the gospel and we rejoice with, those, uh, with the forgiveness of God. And when we do this, there is one more promise. And this is the one that is scary to every one of us. And then I'm going to pray. So we do this personally before God. Actually, the Bible says also that we should do this. Commute like together corporately. This is where everybody gets quiet. I definitely uh, confess my sins to anyone, right? But listen to this James five passage and then we'll close. So we confess personally with the gospel in mind that we are justified and God loves us the same even on our worst day. But we also need to begin to practice confession with others as we pray to God. James 5:13 through 16. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So I want you to think about that as we think of confession. Confession isn't just sort of me in the sort of spiritual confession booth with God. That is part of it. And we go to God realizing that we are justified. But listen to what it says. Is anyone among you sick? Is anyone among you cheerful? Let him sing. Is anyone among you sinning? Let him repent. All these things. And then it says, therefore, confess your sins to one another. So that your prayer and the power of prayer will actually work in your life. I'm paraphrasing this. So, brothers and sisters, I want to leave you with this challenge. I know we're ready to call it a night, but I want to leave you with this challenge. Not only do I think that we need to get into the habit of confessing because God has commanded us to. But not only do we need to confess it, we need to do this in light of the gospel and we need to do this daily. Martin Luther said, as I said earlier, that this is all of life. We are constantly repenting. But there is a supernatural power that comes with confessing your sins one to another. So much so that he says this in the context of healing, that you may be healed of your sickness. This is weird passage That confession and community and being honest and real and doing life with one another. There is actually a supernatural power that comes with that. Now, I'm not going to have us practice that right now. So you guys just chill out. (laughs) But I do want to encourage you. To go to God with the gospel in mind as you pray. And take time to think hard and confess your sins before the Lord. He is eager to hear that confession, and none of our sins catch him off guard. He is not like, whoa, you are jacked up. (laughs) He knows, and more important, he has provided forgiveness for those very things that we are ashamed of. And if we do this, First John 1 says that if we confess our sins before the Lord, He is faithful and just to forgive us. We are justified. But He is also going to cleanse us of the unrighteousness. Transformation happens when we confess our sins to the Lord. But also let me say this and then I'll pray. Get with one or two people in your life. I'm not saying do it with 10. Have one or two people in your life that you trust. And begin to confess your sins one to another. You know, as a pastor, this is hard for me. I'll be honest with you. For some reason in my pride and arrogance, I think that people think I'm bigger than I am or more spiritual than I am. And sometimes I'm like, man, I can't confess that. They'll be like, what kind of pastor are you? But what I've found through the years as I've got past that and began to just sort of from the pulpit, just tell all my junk, which probably isn't wise, by the way. So I'm not saying that. But what I've noticed is like last November, I was in a deep, deep depression. A depression that I could not even tell you how dark it was. I did not want to hear from God. I had no, I just, I I was just so Dark in my soul and I did not know what to do. And then I remember that passage that 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 James five where I was spiritually sick. And I said, you know what, I'm going to put this to the test. And so I began to tell Pastor Dave and our elders. I said, you know what, I'm in a very dark place in my heart. And then they began to pray for me and lay hands on me, just like this passage says. And then I began to tell people that I knew were struggling in my church with depression. I went and told them. And I would say, brother, sister, I know that you've confessed to me this idea of depression and that you're sick. And that, you know, you have some real issues and sin going on in your life. And I began to tell them. And they began to pray. And they began to do these things. Now, when I was keeping it to myself, it was just dark. Dark, dark. But when I began to tell other people and say, actually, I don't even like God right now. And they were like, oh, brother, let's pray. I know what you mean. Let's pray. Do you realize that there was a supernatural power that began to happen and this darkness began to be lifted from my soul? When I tried to do it by myself, it wasn't as if God wasn't there. But there is power when we come to one another and confess our weaknesses and sin to each other. That God actually brings healing to our broken hearts. So let me say this. Find someone. Start with one person that you can be honest with and real with. And begin to pray with that person and confess your sins one to another and watch God transform your life. Let me pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would take whatever was said that was truly of your word and that that would fall on good soil in our hearts. Anything that was of me or of my own insecurity Or my own fleshliness, Lord, I pray that that would be rooted out. But I pray, Father, that we would be men and women who know the gospel. That we would be men and women who run to you even when we sin instead of running from you. And that, God, you would teach us confession. That you would teach us to be real with you. That you would teach us to be real with one another. Lord, we are so tired of putting on the mask. So often, Lord, church is a place where it's just a bunch of masks. Father, we're wondering why there isn't breakthroughs in our life and we're wondering why we're not experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, maybe it's because we're just not confessing and receiving forgiveness and receiving that cleansing and that power. Maybe it's because we're still hiding and trying to portray ourselves as something we're not. Father, we want to break free from these chains. There's some of us in this room who have secret sins that we've never told one single person. And Father, we're afraid that we're going to be judged. We're afraid that we're going to be shunned. But we're also tired of holding it in. So I pray that as we focus on prayer and confession that we would not only be real with you, but that we would be real with each other. So that the power of Almighty God would be unleashed in our midst. That the, the chains of these secret sins would be broken and that bondage would no longer be there and we would be set free. So Father, we confess our sins to you. And we ask that you would cleanse us Of all unrighteousness. And Father we want to. Pray that you give us someone. That we can confess our sins to. So that that supernatural power of healing. Can be unleashed in our life. Give us courage. Give us boldness. Give us hope. In the gospel. In Jesus name. Amen. (laughs) 不怕 <laughs>